Welcome to the Untitled Prospect Podcast with Roger, which I'm calling Up Power. Or <laughs> we are Ramos so close Brewers. to having a title. Yeah, we don't have a title yet, but it's going. <laughs> we're talking about the Giants minor league players: uh, Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, uh, Marco Luciano. Chris Shaw, he's still in the top 10 on MLB Pipeline, which should show that the really? <laughs> Yeah, MLB Pipeline doesn't, they only really change that in, in the spring, and then they kind of tweak it. So it looks weird at this time of year. Also, uh, my, my brother told me that uh, it's very likely Marco Luciano, so I will now attempt to say that pronunciation. Marco Luciano. Even, even though n- neither of us actually know for sure what his name is, but I'll, I'll go ahead and follow my big brother's advice. <laughs> So I was traveling yesterday. I went to the uh, McCovey Chronicles meetup on Saturday, um, which was cool to see Austin Slater hit a grand slam. Uh, but yesterday I was in the car all day driving back um, home. and Oh, that's a haul. Yeah. And so I uh, listened to the Futures game on, the, on, on XM, and they were, it was being broadcast by the two dudes who do their morning show, basically, or afternoon show, Mike Farron and... Former oh, GM, of Jim Of course, Tuchette. Mike Farron did it. Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. So, but Mike Farron was uh, pronouncing it Elio Ramos, which I'm. It's, we, he's, we, we he's very much wrong. Yes. <laughs> so it's just putting it out there to everybody again. If I'm, you were I'm going to call him up tomorrow and let him know that. <laughs> uh, it's Elliot Ramos. Sorry. But Marco Luciano, that's it. I like that better. Marco Luciano. Yeah. He sounds It's a little smoother. too Italian. It's yeah, it's a little too <laughs> Italian. <laughs> So in this episode of Up Power, we actually do have a rundown, everyone. Yes, so we will. This week, this week we're going to be talking about that Futures game that uh, was over the weekend that had Joey Bart in it and Elliot Ramos in it. Uh, baseball Prospectus dropped their midseason top 50, and the Giants... Very exciting. There are Giants players on it. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, uh, we're going to talk about sec- the second half uh, hopes and promotions. I'm just going to pin Roger down and... And make him give me predictions and answers, which is Woo-hoo. well outside of his his comfort zone, which is great. But then the, but I'm ju- I jumped one of the numbers here because I, I wanted to focus on this a little bit first as a preview. The teens is what I titled this. The international signing period opened up on the second, right? And uh, so the Giants signed a bunch of teenagers, which is always a weird system that that Major League Baseball has going on. Super duper, super duper weird, yes. And it's only gotten stranger to the point that, like, Baseball America has stopped doing rankings. Right. Which I believe we talked about a little bit last time. But they're not even, they're like, it's kind of weird. Like, they're they're signing, they're kind of handshake agreements, making these handshake agreements with families when the dudes are, like, 10 years old. So it's just very strange. It's a very, very strange system. Who knows how much longer we're going to have it. Um, it's kind of icky, uh, you know, it's, uh, this is a complete tangent, but, uh, there was an article somewhere recently that was actually about the New York Knicks, but in the opening sentence, it, it managed to, to keel haul, um, the Orioles owner, Peter Angelos, who's not a great actual owner for the fan base, but if you kind of look at his long-term record, he's got some pretty strong sort of moral compassy elements to his his career 
And, you know, people always beat up on them for never making an, an international signing during his time. But it's really an icky market. And that seems to be one of the main reasons he wanted to stay out of it. So I don't know if that's it's kind of bad from a competitive standpoint. But on the other hand, it's sort of like props to you, Peter, for for not really wanting to wait in that pool. That's an interesting point. I mean, they could have done other things like been much more aggressive with the Japanese league players. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Or perhaps in Korea or something to that effect. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it's. I will say this. It's probably not uh, worth getting too much, giving too much credit to billionaires for moral <laughs> compass. I'm sure there was there was it might maybe it was forty percent moral and sixty percent business. Uh, like, but you know, labor lawyer billionaires, that, that's got to be worth something, that, right? You know, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, so we'll revisit that. Anyway, uh, yes. back to our actual yes. conversation yes. topic. Which is about the Giants prospects. And in, in this, in particular, Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos appeared uh, late in the Futures game, which was only seven innings. It's a ridiculous format that they tried this year. Although they stretched it out to eight because yes. of the tie game, yeah. So, so they, I don't know. Extra, go ahead. No, just one extra inning of uh, if it was tied, instead, which is weird. It's like, okay, if it's tied after eight, why not play nine? Uh, then it's at least a full game. Why do the anyway? How about just no extra innings and you play nine? I don't understand. It like, doesn't make any sense. To me. That would have been a better system. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ramos uh, got a hit. And uh, Bart struck out, but he also had um, he also had a I mean, stealing. He, he threw out a runner. He actually did a couple. So first of all, I'll just tangent here for a second. Every, almost every year, I feel like for years and years and years, I write some version of, is this going to be the year that the Giants are relevant to the Futures game? <laughs> and every year it, it, it isn't really because, you know, at the end of the game, people are talking about all kinds of people and it, it's never a Giants prospect. And this year I got really excited because – I believe, and I, I'm, I haven't actually like done the research on this, I think the Giants have never had a starter in the Futures game. And if they have, it goes way, way back. Um, so I was thinking, okay, this is the year. Joey Bart is going to break the streak. He's going to be the starter because, you know, he's in the top 20 on BA's list, and, and that's usually kind of counts for something when they – but no, he's sitting on the bench, and I have to wait for the second half of the game, and by the time the second half of the game comes, they're like – I don't know what it was like on the radio, but on TV, Harold Reynolds is doing like interviews with Ken Griffey the entire time. And if you get a cutaway to the game, it's like a luxury item. So, so very little was said about either Joey Bart or Elliot Ramos during the game. Um, but Bart, I thought, looked really good defensively. Everyone talked about his, his uh, caught stealing, which was really impressive. But there's a actually later in the game – in the in the bottom of the seventh when it looked like the American League was going to win and they brought in the Padres Louis Patino and Patino had a crucial strikeout where he just buried this gnarly slider right in the dirt and uh, and Bart caught it so effortlessly that nobody pointed out like what a ridiculously good play it was because uh, it was like you know 92 slider in the dirt that he caught off a bounce for the strikeout I'm like you know that's good catching which is actually more important than the than the gun since nobody steals bases anymore. Anyway, no, I, the the uh, the, feed, the analysis on the radio side or the satellite side was not very uh, detailed, but the the kind of conclusion of the game was that it was a well played game defensively, and you could see how physically talented every single player was, 
and versus previous years mm-hmm. where there might have been a lot of defensive miscues, this or that, that did not happen this year. There weren't any errors in the game, I don't think. So they didn't remark that, I, I mean, there was a wild pitch, you know, that Bart had to contend with, like, as soon as he right. got into the game. But they didn't yeah. mention anything about how he caught the slider. But they also didn't criticize the framing. You know, I mean, I think they figured why get too granular with this because it could go either way, and it's all it's all acknowledged to be in development. But it yeah. just but uh, it just seemed like you go out there and you don't do anything to draw attention to yourself is is just <laughs> as good as like in a bad way is just as good as oh he hit a massive home run. Um, I, I think it was just to me it was just exciting that the Giants were well represented. It wasn't quite like... They were. Yeah, Patino is an interesting guy because he could very well be closing uh, for the Padres by the end of the year, potentially. It's probably like a 5% chance. But like, yeah. depending on how they decide to go, at least that's what they're saying on the broadcast. But, they, but the point I was going to make was the only time I can really remember the Giants having any players in the game, they're like, they're like pinch hitting and they're out. Or was it like was Merkin Valdez uh, in a game one t- one time and he was like he was Weaver? yeah and I I remember Matt Kane being there and and being really really young and scared and not being able to throw strikes there we Kyle go. Crick was young and scared and couldn't throw strikes uh, and they had that one there was one year there was a total fiasco that they, they left Posey off the roster because they had to put Angel Villalona on there so he could play first base for the world team because the world team didn't have a first baseman. And then he got hurt and didn't play anyway, and Bumgarner's inning got rained out. So, like, nobody actually was in the game at all. So, you know, uh, Ramos played center field. He did a great job. Uh, Bart he almost got to show off his arm. He did kind of yeah. show off his arm, except Royce Lewis forgot to tag up and try and go to third on him. So <laughs> that would have been a really cool play. Uh, so his hip was a little dicey because it was basically yeah. like went through somehow through the body of the sec of Isan Diaz, who was yes. like standing there waiting to field it and then didn't. I'm not quite sure what happened. No, it's a hit in the box score. It is right, the box he score. scorched it right up the middle. It just the, the Isan Diaz had no chance. <laughs> That's what we could say. Uh, but I mean, this is what I was my takeaway from it was the Giants were well there. They sent their best prospects. Their best prospects did not embarrass themselves. That's true. And more importantly, they played two crucial positions that very easily could have made things go south. Like Bart catching and being as solid a defensive catcher as he is helped, you know, the the uh, the NL team hold the line. Ramos's defense, uh, his hit, he, he wound up being stranded, so he's already a giant. You know, he's set up <laughs> mentally for that. Because um, he was, I think he was the second hit in the rally. They had like two on and it was, no outs. They had two on and no on yeah. outs. And I forget who they brought in then that snuffed it out. Was that when they brought in Pearson? Yeesh. He was. So Joey Bart struck out, but asterisk because it was like 102, 102, yes, and then a 92 slider. mile an hour slider. <laughs> Yeah, they don't throw that in the Cal League. Right. Um, and so it makes you go, okay, well, okay, it, this is not Giants' version of top prospects. This is like, oh, the league version of a top prospect. That's right. That is, that's right. <laughs> so they were real. And actually, there was a, Baseball America did a podcast recently on like uh, All Star games. And the, 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 when they were talking about the Cal League All Star game, they, there's a lot of talk about Elliot Ramos, and that is like, First guy that caught their eyes was Elliot Rama. So, you know, that's nice to hear. It's been a while. You're right. That's like all-star talk centers around the Giants prospect. 
And uh, Ramos, uh, this perfect time to just talk about him. He is flourishing. He's doing extremely well. He is having quite a year. And it's it's interesting because it's it's gone through several different phases of being really interesting. But, I mean, from last year where he was very clearly overmatched and – um, kind of off-field hitting a lot, and you know, the strikeouts got pretty out of control, and he wasn't. It, it seemed like a year where he was just perpetually down 0-2. Um, and this year, he's really, even though age to level, he's at the same place. I mean, he's only 19. He's gonna be 19 all year long, um, and yet he's you know like fifth in the league in OPS. And he, he's been really at the beginning of the year, he had a great kind of walk to K ratio, which was eye-opening because that was such an issue for him last year. Um, and that's been kind of sliding a little bit lately, but he's shown more power, which is really exciting. He still shows some feel for hit. Uh, he seems to really punish, like, mistakes. So that's good. I mean, right there, that's a pretty good start. Um, Absolutely. And he's hit velocity. I mean, he took McKenzie Gore, who's probably the best pitching prospect in baseball, hit home run off him. Uh, A.J. Puck, who was doing a rehab, who's um, the A's, one of the A's top prospects and throws very, very hard from the left side. He took him deep. So he's showing the ability to punish mistakes, hit velocity, and improving kind of pitch recognition, control the zone. As a 19-year-old in high A, that's incredible. He's still, you say he's sliding, but he's still at about 2-1. to one strikeouts to walks which is yeah. pretty much the line where Zaidi wants to hold like if you exceed that then you're out but that's yeah. within the realm of what yeah, they're absolutely. Um, and I think is he still over 10% on the walk rate I mean, I do a quick like check he here yep. yeah he is yep. yeah. he is over 10% and he's, he's he is climbing very close to the 300 average he's got the and center field. 900 OPS, and he plays center field, yeah. And people and, are comfortable and well, with too. him being, yeah, that's what I was saying. People are comfortable with him being in center field, at least for next year or so. Um, he definitely looks like he's going to be, like, a fullback, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you can see him sliding over to right, but he's got yes. the arm for it. Um, I think as a center fielder, he's kind of more instinctual than, than the classic burner. I mean, he's not Steven Duggar sort of speed, but he's got really good instincts. Um, he made a, apparently a great catch against the wall again in the Cal League All Star game. So yeah, I don't. I, he looks good out there. He could stay up the middle. He could move to a corner, and the bat is really impressive. Do you think that Bart's sort? I mean, all of this is there is no writing anyone off, people. So don't misunderstand. But Bart's clearly not. Yeah, since he's come back from the the broken hand, it's yeah, not been, it's not been a great thing for him. He's not done very well uh, at the plate. I would imagine that just the healing of that is hurt, is affecting that to some degree. And, I'm sure, yeah. And then you add in the pressure of trying to make up for the lost time. It's probably this, not a perfect storm, but a confluence of factors <laughs> that are contributing to this from a, you know, you've seen plenty of prospects and all this stuff. Like, is the team just like that what they're aware of like oh he's coming back from hand thing we know it's going to cause all these problems we're not worried about it or yeah. like it's been it's been a month it should be he should be he should be working back from it by now <laughs> i i would guess 
the the first thing. And he, he actually so Hank Schulman did a piece after the Futures game um, with a few quotes from Bart. I guess he, he must have got got over the phone, and he said that you know it Sundays it doesn't feel very good, which you know you'd kind of figure he's got a broken hand a bone in the same hand he's using to catch like mid 90s stuff a hundred times a game so that seems like it would hurt and and he's a you know he's a hand strength guy he's a so i i imagine they're saying probably the numbers are going to suffer for a while because of this but you know he's getting defensive reps he's getting you know some some work on the plate approach Hopefully he doesn't fall into bad habits. It would be certainly be nice to see him take off, but I don't really think they're worried about it. I think they're saying the tools that make him the player he's likely to be aren't going anywhere. Let him get the defensive reps and, and work on things. Giants do have the luxury of that time. Um, it's, it's interesting to think that not, why do I say that? I hate that phrase, folks. It's interesting. It's interesting it's, to think? It's not interesting to think. Of course it's interesting to think. <laughs> So it's just a rhetorical uh, phrase to Device. yeah to set up my thought when I could just have let the silence happen and then just jumped into it. Wouldn't it be something if the way that it gets timed that they both make their they, they debut at the same time in part because Bart's development is slowed just slightly enough for Ramos to catch up and Ramos it takes a kind of leap to speed up to him. Yes, I, I still don't think that's going to happen, but it does seem like this year has has put them closer to each other. Yes, I, I think that that it certainly feels that way. The the yeah. other the uh, the national listings also seem to be kind of recognizing that. But sort of, it, I've said this before because I think it's interesting. Last year he was dropped in advanced to see if he could be Vlad Guerrero Jr. and he was not, and that was fine. But that didn't mean that he. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be able to make a leap. Isn't that what happens to basically every top prospect? At some point, they make a leap. Yeah, you know? I, and you know, and, anyone who reads my stuff knows development's not linear. He could yes. be, you know, next year there could be something that slows him down, or something he could go faster. You know, you never know. So. You know, you mentioned Mackenzie Gore. This is perfect. See how we're just bleeding into one topic after the other. Now we're in the baseball uh, perspective. The baseball top perspective 50. top 50. So you have the number three prospect on their list is Mackenzie Gore, who is the top pitching prospect in baseball. He's with the Padres. And then just down that list, what I was trying to do was say, like, well, where is Ramos? Where is Bart in relation to the number three who we just mentioned? Um, and they're actually way down the list. Much, Bart's in the top twenties. Yeah, Bart's he's, in the top twenties. He's 20. in the high teens, is where he is. And then, I mean, I was quite surprised that both. I was surprised Ramos was in the top fifty, and then I was surprised again that uh, Luciano was in the top fifty. I would have thought both of them kind of the fifty to hundred range, but it's pretty exciting that they're hearing reports that cause them to push him up that high that quickly. I mean, the last time the Giants had three top fifty prospects is going back away. It's probably 2009 would be my guess. Yeah, so Ramos is 33rd and Lu- Luciano, Marco Luciano. We and we have we have heard it is Luciano, not Luciano. We're, <laughs> we're going with it. Okay. <laughs> and he is now 48th. He's on he just got on the list here. Um and the thing is everybody who comments on him, everybody 
like even you, Roger, I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't know if the, your loved ones have pointed this out. But when you talk about him, you light up. I can hear it in your voice. And it's, it comes through in the, in the writing, anyone remarking on him. Um, and then literally baseball perspectives. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Even though it's free, you can read. But why recite everything? The last sentence of why he'll succeed is, we keep hearing too many good things to not have him on this list. I mean, that's... Yeah. Again, going back to it's the Giants and the Giants prospects. It's remarkable. <laughs> it it I really think is. It's I interesting. Mean, so I'm already saying he's going to be the guy to start a futures game. The first Giants. Um, you know, you really heard that drumbeat during extended too. So like Aaron Longhagen of Fangraphs, who would who lives like right by their complex and would see him a lot. You know, he was just sending glowing things and. I talked to Ben Battler last year at the Futures game, and he was like, I cannot wait to see Luciano on our field because this guy's really special. So, yeah, he's he's he is a different sort of caliber of Giants prospect from what we've had for a while. Um, he seems like one of those. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say things that people who are listening to this are hoping to hear, and that is, the Giants have not had someone in that Fernando test. He's Vlad Guerrero category and Luciano may not be them, but the idea that they have this many people to have this many people who are not affiliated with the Giants excited about someone who is a Giant is yeah. kind of staggering. It's it's like Bart was the consensus, you know, best catcher, one of the best power hitters. That was fine, right? And a consensus like player. top five pick. Yes. But yeah, you're. I, well, I mean, let me just an illustration of that is that I saw a, a piece today that was on Baseball America that was like, you know, who are people we really want, look forward to seeing in next year's futures game? And, and the picture, you know, on the top of that story was Luciano. So <laughs> national people are excited about this guy, and that's pretty cool because that has not been a giant now, now the the sort of like less happy part of the the baseball perspective list is there's like two two dodgers in the top 10 and like three padres in the top 15 but we'll just ignore that for now and and delight about the fact that we have these like coming wonderful prospects i think that, i mean that's the thing uh, it, the excitement level of okay we've got smart management at the top managing the team trying to make the major league roster work and even the carryovers from the old regime now are going to be are kind of rising to the top and they're going to be now supplemented with whatever new stuff they throw into the mix and the idea that the system could suddenly be not i mean i'm not saying this is a top 15 system this year but you know just the idea that it, well it maybe is next not. year Right, but uh, the idea that maybe next year or the year after the Giants could have a really good farm system, is that a thought we've had in 10 years? <laughs> no, but I will, well, yeah. The last time we had, I was going to say the last time we had it, it turned out to be a really, really good thing. Um, yes. Although the last time, I mean, the whole, the championship crew, they were like pieced out in like two or three. Like there were never a big group of them in the minors at exactly. the same time. Exactly. They, they just kept, and they hit, you know, they hit the bullseye with every single one they brought up. So, I'm good with either way. But the yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. As Whatever I'm sure Zaidi, you know, when yeah. Zaidi took over, or he and Friedman went to the Dodgers, they had a stacked farm system. So, you know, that's fun walking into a place that because they had Seager, they had Bellinger, they had Arias, they had Peterson. I mean, that's probably great. It's great to go into a place with a really good farm system and just start like bringing the people up. 
I definitely have wondered, especially, you know, you watch Austin Slater, and I know everybody, it's like 13 plate appearances. <laughs> not, that's not the point I'm trying to make. But, you know, Dickerson coming over, and yes, I know it's like 30 plate appearances. I know I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, you if you suddenly start getting guys onto your team or into your system or who have been in your system, and then they somehow make an adjustment and start having success, that is a, a reputation builder for your organization, regardless mm-hmm. of the um, degree of, of actual credit they deserve or like actually put <laughs> into it. You know, because we know Slater's work was with a coach now who's with the Dodgers. He can't even talk to him during the season. So it, this was all sort of off-season work that Slater did based in consultation with the Giants. So that's but the right. fact remains, if you are, it's re- reputation has a halo effect, or you know, does, absolutely. Does. And I think if for, if for nothing if nothing else, the Giants have needed to rehab that part of their team, for you know, it, because for what before the the championship run, the Giants were a laughing stock, talent wise, minor leagues because they didn't care about it. And they kind of made every move they made was sort of in support of the idea that they didn't care about their farm system. Then they had a, a run, and they chose not to continue to foster that success. Because uh, I guess the only reason, I guess Brian Sapien figured, well, the only way we can have a good farm system is by losing a lot, and I don't like that. So. <laughs> and yeah, I, it's it's really difficult to figure out kind of how they went from that, not to rehash all kind of old stuff, but how they went from you know, that 06 to, to 10 period of producing not just a whole lot of elite talent, like, you know, the top 10 guys, but then also, you know, Brian Wilson, who was, I don't know, 34th round, then Jonathan Sanchez, who was like 24th round, and Sergio Romo, who was like 20, I don't even know what round. So they were doing both hitting on the high-end talent and getting great performance from lower in the drafts to suddenly, like, not being able to, produce late first rounders in well i mean joe panic has become a certainly a viable you know a valid good starting player um at least the first few years but it's weird the way that pipe seemed to suddenly turn off when they won at the major league level yeah yeah and i don't know i don't know what explains that really to be honest Guess it's it's irrelevant now. Now we just got to. It is, it is totally irrelevant. I don't, know, I don't know why we're going there. Let's let's go back to the fun stuff. We're gonna go to the kids the, are all right. Yes, the kids, the teens. We'll talk about the teens. The Giants had twenty five signings, I believe. Um, There's and... actually more rolling in, so they're gonna they'll spend to the last dollar. I was kind of surprised that, given who they, the people they were signing, that they spent their whole pool the way they did, but. And it's such a, it's so hard to read into what the international market means. Um, I certainly think nobody nobody thought they were going to spend over a million dollars on the player they did. Um, but anyway, you probably have a question, so oh, I should stop rambling. I guess my <laughs> no, I mean, it's a it's precisely about the million dollars they spent on on the pit on the pitcher. Right? Yeah. No, they yeah. so they took a bet. They they did sign a left-handed pitcher out of the Dominican Republican named Esmerline Venizio. I wonder how badly I brutalized that pick. Uh, who's a left-handed pitcher? But they signed him for I think around seven hundred fifty thousand. There was a shortstop out of Venezuela. They signed two shortstops out of Venezuela. Um, 
and I'm, I'm almost hesitant to say the number because for years people have not reported Venezuelan numbers um, for, for obvious reasons. But uh, they had a shortstop out of Venezuela named Everson Artega, who apparently they signed for a million or slightly more than a million. And I think that took a lot of people by surprise that he was actually the biggest dollar signing of their class. Um, but as you know, as you know from reading kind of the BA thing, the the international market a lot of times people aren't scouted for several years once they form a relationship with a team, and the the dollar figures are kind of cloaked in this very murky Byzantine process that's hard to see from the outside. Uh, so I don't know that anybody else has really scouted this guy or for a couple of years or knows very well what they have in him. They thought he was worth a million dollars, so they think they have something pretty special there, apparently. But what does that mean? <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I guess that I'm not trying to make you answer that question definitively, but what do you think that means? And so, so, I mean, on its face, someone else must have been interested. So that was one reason why they had to bid up to a million if no one's heard of him. I mean, there is. It's certainly I do not have the knowledge to, to kind of explain how the system goes. But from what I have read, when agreements are made between teams and trainers, they aren't necessarily hitting a dollar point quite yet. Um, but they'll they'll sort of sequester that player and keep them in their compound and work out with their players and not let them get out too too much in the uh, the general scouting world of the of the market but things that happen in the course of that year or that two years or whatever it is can affect where the price point goes up or down and I do think it has something to do with um, probably as I said somewhere the physicality like how is the body growing and it you know, looking stronger, bigger, whatever, the things that could raise a price point or lower price point if it's getting soft or whatever, that there's some wiggle room in there. But as I said, this is a really murky kind of process that it's way beyond my eyes exactly what that means. For whatever reason, they seem to think he needed that that dollar, which would suggest that the trainers may be saying, hey, if he were back out in the scouting market, the point would go up at this point. So if you're wondering why MLB allows this, if someone out there has that question, <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, start on a basic level. Is it, does it materially affect their manner of doing business? Not really if the people who are doing the shady stuff or the murky stuff, let's just say murky, it, there are rules in place, but as long as you're not flagrantly violating them, which the Braves were, and the Dodgers seem to have been. And to the point that MLB does not become aware of it, the league has seemed to been to be willing to look the other way. That has they, been the custom. To they don't seem to it. care that much, at least these days, about players signing earlier than they are quote-unquote allowed. It's sort of like, M- yeah. it's sort like NBA for agency. Right, oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah. But it's really Beltre signed it early, and the Dodgers get get their hand slapped for that at that point in time. That was a long time ago. But it seems like when it's sort of those flagrant, you know, sort of the the kind of it's not a well kept secret. 
like they're they, it seems like they're, they're okay with whispers but as long as long as there's not like something to corroborate it then then they they'll start getting upset but basically it's like NBA, to say it again it's like NBA free agency the the free agency begins on what was it like two Sundays ago right but at 3 p.m uh, east or, or Pacific so you would think as soon as that starts then you would start to hear teams talking to other teams and said what we got was like 20 deals announced right every deal is already done yeah yeah so that's basically what the international signing period is that for but uh, literally though years before the actual deadline they're already talking about it right and Uh, you know then you're talking about 13 to 14 year olds which is sort of weird what they seem to get really upset about mlb that is is the kind of deals that allow teams to pay a player more than the the uh, hard slotting allows. So when somebody got a trainer who had several players and said, we're going to spread this money amongst like three of your players, but really it's all going to this one, that's the thing that MLB has really jumped in on. So that, again, it's not a moral thing. It's a business thing. <laughs> exactly. Someone spending more money, it, you know, other teams get mad when other teams spend money money because it's like well he's spending money which means someone might say that i have to spend that money and i don't want to spend money so make them stop spending money (laughs) because it raises the prices it raises the prices for everybody and the prices really did jump this year actually uh the top top of the market and the middle of the market but i mean this is a it, it is a big thing because right now you know on minor lines all anybody wants to read is you know marco luciano uh Alex Canario, Louis Matos, uh, Jairo Pomeros, which are, those are their three big signings from last year. And, and they're all doing really well right out of the gates. Luciano is like a special talent, but Pomeros and Matos are both showing a lot of ability to hit. I mean, it spending money does frequently result in more talent. So it's, it's a good thing to see them in that market. For sure. Well, I mean, it's it's good from the purely on paper part of the Giants are bringing more talented players right. into their organization. Right. But yes, uh, if you're if you're a baseball fan who has a moral objection to this, yes, there's a lot of moral crud on these international signings. It's really moral crud all over the game. Um, yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a morally cruddy world. It does seem yes. that way. Yes. Uh, so is there anyone from that list that you, I don't know, I don't want to say know about and got excited about, but is there anyone that since the signing, besides the, the extra money they spent on Arteaga uh, or Ortega, is there anyone out there that you're like, that's interesting? Or is it just sort of like, this is one of those things we have to wait a year or two to see what happens? Yeah, I'm, I, I would say this is a wait or two, year or two list. And, and you know, you know, Canario was like a $60,000 signing, and Louis Terribio, who's another guy down in the ACL who's a very good-looking prospect, he was about a $300,000 signing. So it's not like there's a direct correlation. Correct. I don't right. think any of these guys are the guys that that the people scouting the market were saying, this is. there's no probably no Lucianos here. But there are also 16 years, and, you know, that's they have a thing. lot of growing in front of them, yeah. right? That's the thing. A lot of these guys can come on quickly. I say a year from now, but a lot can change in a year when it comes Absolutely. to prospects this young. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's kind of, you know, ignoring 
the moral cred for a minute. Man, that's how we get into these problems, isn't it? <laughs> um, there's, something, there's something just about, you know, planting seeds and seeing what grows is, is kind of exciting. And I, I feel like being wholly detached, W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly detached from the Giants Major League team winning and knowing that that's not a thing anymore. Like, it sort of opens you up to going like, well, now what? Now, not what do you have to look forward to, but sort of like, what is there to be interested or ex- in or excited about? And I wouldn't say that there's plenty, but the fact is that there is sort of more intrigue than there has been at any time in the five levels of minor leagues that they have. Brian, you are going to be so surprised when the Giants take the second wild card <laughs> this year. That's a and, different podcast. Madison Bumgarner pitches a complete game shutout in the wild card game. That's a different podcast on this McCovey Chronicles channel. Um, so that's the kind of breakdown of the international signings. I'm, I'm sorry, it can't be more specific, but there's just not a lot of information on on them. And, you know, but as soon as there is, you know, you're going to hear it on this podcast, the Up Power podcast. One year from today. That's, that's right. The, and the my money line. To be better named Up Power podcast <laughs> yes. uh, next year will be looking great. So there's a second half of the season to be played, the minor season. Uh, I wanted to, it ends uh, in August. It ends before September call-ups or roundabout. Let's right about then, yeah, there's yeah. playoffs. Uh, so that just reminded me, because this is a, I wanted to pin you down for predictions and sort of thoughts on the second half, but I just remembered, I wanted to take a moment to kind of interject some major league stuff. I think you were talking about this on Twitter. Uh, there's Travis Bergen, who's, uh, who's the Giants have, he's a rule five pick. He's a left-handed reliever, if you don't remember him. And he's <laughs> you may remember him from yeah, the yes, really, yes. really horrible part of the yes. season that was unwatchable. That's right. But he had an interesting start, and he has an interesting kind of career going on. He has a shoulder injury, and his uh, recovery has quote, been... Quote-unquote sort of, injury. Yes. That's a great, a great point. We'll get to that in a second. The Giants have to keep him on the Major League roster for at least 90 days of the regular season, or else he gets returned to his, his previous team, the, uh, in this case, the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays would take him back. I would, I would assume. So not, not quite. I believe. Yeah, I'm well, rounding not, up. Not I, I believe. I happen to know. Um, uh, although I was just having a, a long argument about what the actual letter of the law is on this. If they don't keep him for 90 days on the active roster this year, he won't be returned to the Blue Jays. They will still have him next spring, but still under the Rule 5 um, constrictions. Of he has to be on the active roster for a certain amount of time, or they have to hand him back. So they don't have to hand him back until either they try to option him, which they can't do, or well, really, until they try to option, what they don't do. So he would come back to them next spring, but they'd still have to put him on the major league roster. They did just so his his uh, major league rehab should have ended on Saturday. They conveniently decided that he wasn't quite well yet so that they can restart that clock. But uh, at some point, they're going to have to either put him on the Major League roster or hand him back to Toronto. And I feel like there was some math that you worked out on Twitter, too. It's like it's got to be by the trade deadline, right? Because he's got to play the August-September deadline. Creates this weird issue where he can't rehab and he'll and they'll run out of days. Right. He has to be on the 
active roster for 45 more days this year. My understanding of that rule, and I know other people have said I'm wrong about this, but my understanding is that has to happen before August 31st. Because starting on September 1st, there is no 25-man roster anymore. So there is no more active list. And I don't think September days count towards that. That's that's what it was. Yeah, so it's an interesting thing to keep in mind. That's not going to be the most interesting thing about the second half, though. No, the storming to the wild card will be the most interesting. <laughs> but if, okay, but that delusion aside, what about the minor leagues? <laughs> okay, where, you're, you're going to pin me down to? for a couple of predictions. Yeah, or how about this? I'll start with this. You are feeling good about blank in the second half. I am feeling good about blank in the second half. Yeah. So I'm feeling good about um, – I'm very feeling very good about Marco Luciano in the second half. Um, I'm feeling good about both Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos. And I would love to see before the end of the year if both of them go move up to double A. I, I think oh. there's a chance that could happen in August. I'm not sure. I wouldn't bet on it. But I think it could happen, and I'd really love to see that happen. Luciano, I don't think will move up uh, because I think they they value the comfort level of being around Arizona for his first year in the states, uh, and they have you know Spanish speaking coaches, and they just have a better setup there to kind of like, like support Melissa kids. Lockhart, I feel like Melissa Lockhart had that. She got that quote from. Uh, in the, the Kyle Haynes? Yeah, 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 Kyle yeah. I think he might have, yeah. The, yeah the, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I just subconsciously stole no, no, material I'm not from Kyle No, 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 I'm just saying that's, that is, you're right. That's what it is. You but think, I mean, they, had, you know. they like, last year they sent a couple of their coaches from the AZL to the DSL to learn Spanish so that they could help some of these kids this year. So they were really thinking kind of a long way out. Uh, so I don't think they're too interested in messing that up right now. Um, I feel good about Logan Webb coming back, which he should right. do in about two or three weeks. Um, I feel pretty good about what Sean Jelly and Jake Wong are doing in San Jose and very good about what Seth Corey has been doing. Seth Corey is having a really interesting, good year this year. Uh, and I would love to see him get a promotion. So there aren't a lot of people I want to see get a promotion, but there are a couple and Corey is one of them. That's a pretty modest bunch of promotions. That was just three you want to see promoted. Um, Jelly is surprising me because the reports I'm seeing are sort of like people are cool. The Giants seem cool with the low strikeouts. I mean, I don't, I think that's going to be who he is. Uh, and, yes. you know, I remember there was a lot of debate when he was drafted about whether tall pitchers are necessarily ground ball pitchers or, you know, up in the strike zone pitchers. He does get ground balls to a certain degree, I guess just because the angle is so strange, but he's not like a big sinker pitcher. Um, I think the thing, the thing with Jelly was always that he is a kind of high floor pitcher. He's a guy who has a high likelihood of being a productive major league pitcher, um, but he's not like a big strikeout guy. He pounds the strike zone. He throws strikes with a lot of different pitches. He's got a good chance of being productive. Uh, Blake Rivera still projected to be a middle of the rotation guy, which I'm still thinking closer here. But <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I too, I I am fairly skeptical that he's really a starter because I don't think he has three pitches. I think he's a he, I think he's a uh, a fastball 
whatever that breaking ball of his is, which is really good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I, t- I too kind of think that, but that's fine. I mean, lots of people start in a ball, uh, but he's having a good year. He's missing a lot of bats. He can stand firm up the control, but I've been pretty impressed with his year. And Santos is in Augusta is, you know, he's, a, he's another teenager. So he's kind of got the best stuff, but the most to learn. They've had a lot of interesting pitching going on in Augusta this year. I think uh, one thing I want to – no, that's not in the line of questions I wanted to ask you. Now this is just reminding me. Is it safe to say that the Giants had a, an above-average draft last year? The, the, the Joey Bart draft? Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I Certainly some parts of it look pretty good. The top two, the top three rounds really look pretty good, um, which is, you know, a good way to have a good draft, right? Get, get the top right. And there's some interesting stuff further down. So, I mean, I still think there's a lot to be decided in that draft, but I, I, I don't feel bad about it for sure. I mean, it's off to a pretty good start this year. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, if you, Roger, you are, um, Me, Roger. you know how they give like the 50th draft pick, the 50th or the last Mr. draft Mr. Pick. Irrelevant? Mr. Irrelevant, but like they let, like sometimes in the past they've like let an old scout or like the secretary make a pick. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you're given one decision to make in the minors, in the Giants minor league system. Um, what it, What's the, in the second half? They're just like... You know, they pulled your name out of a hat and you're like, for years of loyal Giants fandom and for being astute and fair to what we're trying to do, what would, what's the one decision you would make? It could be a, it could be a promotion. It could be, you know, I want to turn this guy into this guy, uh, or turn this position into this moving positions. Uh, I want this coach here, whatever it is, what's something in the minor league system you think that needs to happen in the second half? That you would oh, do. Yeah. They, they need to fix that hat would be the first thing I'm going to say about that. But, fix the hat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever hat they pulled. Oh, the hat. Right. Get rid of that hat. Um, <laughs> so let me, I'm just doing a quick mental search through. If, um, okay, I, I, if, if I had to say what's one thing I would love to see, and this has nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that I happen to live in the D.C. area, but I think they need to get talent to Richmond <laughs> because and this is totally not the kind of thing you're thinking of, but the Richmond management is phenomenal. These people sell out all the time. It's really unbelievable what they do down there. And those amazing Richmond fans have not really had great baseball to root for, for some time now. Um, and they've spent like, three years being just pretty much the worst team in the Eastern League. So I would really, really, really like to see them get some talent to Richmond so that that great affiliate with its great fan base can see something that is worth getting excited about. So this is a customer, this is a community outreach. It's, it's, it's a combination of community outreach and also I get to go see their best players. Um, That's fine. There was no, there was no limit on that. (laughs) What's your biggest fear about the second half? Um, Well, I would, I really, I I would love to see 
Joey Bart looked like he's feeling better again. But I would also really want to see uh, Alex Canario start hitting in the Northwest League. So he just, you know, wreaked havoc and destruction on the Arizona League, and they, they shipped him up to the N- NWL. And he's he has hit a little speed bump there, which he did last year too. He, he started out with a lot of strikeouts, and then he kind of got his gear and, and went on a tear. So I really want to see that happen. I don't want to see him fail in the Northwest Lake. Okay, that is our Up Power episode two, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, send us your questions. Please, please, please comments. give us a better name. Yes, a thousand percent give us a better name, absolutely. And uh, send us your questions. You can find us on Twitter. Um, you can app the McCovey Cron account. You can just just leave Roger alone. You can <laughs> just send it. So then it's all in the central location. Send us your questions. Leave them in the comments below. Uh, this has been great. There's like uh, I'm I'm holding on to. I've got one hand firmly on the optimism bar of of the uh, of the farm system, and you know, and then I'm just flapping in the wind when it comes to the major league team. <laughs> So that's but fine. you got to see Austin Slater hit a grand slam oh, into the arcade. I mean, come on. It was fantastic. It was like, is that ball going to hit the bricks? No, it's still going. Oh, it just got over the wall. That's amazing. Uh, that, everyone lost their voice in our section. It was great. I bet. And one of these days, it'll be Elliot Ramos doing that. That probably, is right. Hopefully. That is right. All right splash it. Splash it to the right. That's right. When they keep changing the ball. It will be very easy. <laughs> okay, Brian. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks very much.